morning, good morning, good morning. There we go. Hallelujah. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Good to be with family. Hallelujah. Everybody doing okay? All right. Praise the Lord. Thank you for your obedience and uh, giving. And, and uh, I don't know about you guys, but I really, really appreciate Ted. He's a great announcer. And uh, thank you, brother. Now, can you, you hear me okay clearly back there? Okay. All right. Making sure that, the, uh, that we're heard. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know what? I am so glad. I am so blessed. I am blessed beyond measure because I know what I'm supposed to do in life. To know what you're supposed to do in life is a really, really, really a blessing. Otherwise, there's all kinds of guesswork. And we want to be in God's will. We want his plan to be our plan. But sometimes that doesn't happen because we get our plan in front of his plan. Is that an amen or is that an ouch? Sometimes we do that. We don't mean to do that. Sometimes it's just the way we're built. It's the way we're wired. And if that's the case, you need to get a wiring job done. Having a little bit of experience with electrical work, I've went into boxes, large and small, and discovered rats' nests, and it's just a maze of wires, and it's all messed up. And I was working on a box like that with uh, helping someone from the church one time, and I said, "Well, what I need to do is just cut all this stuff out of there." And he looked at me with horror. Because, like, well, if you do that, we're really messed up. But I'm, I look at it that way with plumbing as well. Sometimes you just got to kind of start over. And then it starts to, it begins to make sense. And you get rewired. Sometimes our plan in life needs to be rewired. And, and I feel real passionate about it, super passionate, because... I don't feel necessarily always qualified to be a pastor, but I know, I know, I know I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to do. To do. Now, after about 30 years of senior pastor, and you'd think I would know by now that I know, I know, I know, I do it just perfectly, and that doesn't happen. But what I know is I'm doing exactly what it is that God wants me to do. And I believe that everyone here today who is a believer in Jesus Christ, that's your desire that you would know God's will for your life. Let me just uh, detract for a second. If I was to ask you what are the, let's say the top five Bible verses that are popular, what would one, just, just shout out a couple. John 3.16, what else? Romans 8, 28. Anybody else? Jeremiah 29, 11. We'll stop right there because that's where my sermon's at. <laughs> it is. We all like Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. I want to share about that verse. I want to really uh, maybe school us today about 
the context of that verse. The verse lies within a context. Every verse lies within a context. You can take any verse and build a doctrine around it, but if it's not contextual, that means the verses before and after are helping to build this verse, then you can get a wrong idea. You can get off base because you're not following the context of the whole meaning. And so I, I want to do that today because, one, I just know everyone wants to know what it is that you're supposed to do in life. So as I shared that verse just a moment ago, that's the, that's the key verse, but it's only a key verse because of the context that it falls in, okay? So uh, here's, the, here's the title of my message this morning, God's plans versus my plan. God's plan versus my plan. How many has ever had your plan interrupt with God's plan? Your plan didn't work so hot. And you, let me ask you this. I don't expect any hands because that would be admitting way too much. How many has ever ran away from God's plan for your life? See, I said you didn't even have to answer, but some of you are so compelled, you're so filled with guilt, you say, that's me. You're not alone. Many of us have ran from God's plan, including yours truly. There was a time in my life where I ran from ministry. We were in ministry for uh, several years, and it got to a point where really it was partial burnout. It was partial uh, overwhelming financial issues. Uh, being a youth pastor with about three part-time jobs, and... and uh, those darn kids kept coming. We had one when we started, and all of a sudden, twins came. Whoop! Okay, we planned on one, we got two for the deal. Thank you, Lord. But then a year and a half or less later came the last one. And it was like, i got to go get a real job. Thing is, I stayed in that real job for a little over eight years. At that point, we did a lot of things that we wanted to do that is called the American dream. We built a house, and after we built the house, built a garage, 22 by 32. For those of you who know your sizes, you're thinking, that's a nice size garage, and you're right. It was a priority. Built a nice deck. That was done, went downstairs that was unfinished, and made a really nice family room. We were building, building, and building. The focus was always towards that worldly thing. It's not a bad thing. It just wasn't supposed to be my thing. The Lord had a plan for Ange and I. We had both had a call to ministry, and while we had been in ministry, it was good, but again, we got overwhelmed by details and pressures in life. I won't be stupid enough to ask, is anyone here dealing with any pressure in life? Because most of us have pressures <laughs> that are life pressures, right? Right? One of the things I love about the body of Christ, you don't have to do this alone. 
A very important principle I learned some years ago under a great teacher was removing, now listen to this, removing people's aloneness. That's what, that's really the only thing a lot of people really want in life, is to have their aloneness removed. And when you come into the house of God, when you are part of a body of Christ, there is, there is commonality, there is communion, there is fellowship, and you don't have to do life alone, especially your walk with Christ. When we went to Trinidad, see, I told you you're going to hear about Trinidad every now and then. It just gets poked in. The missionaries there told us, we get a lot of people telling us that we're going to have this big group come and uh, come to our school and come to Trinidad, and, and they're going to be, bring a big group from their church. And either they don't come at all, or it's a very small group. We actually said we're going to bring a big group, and we brought a big group. And so when we got there with 18 people, again, one of the miracles as after a whole entire week, we still loved each other. And I mean, there was a variety of ages from, uh, I think, uh, 13 on up to my age. And we just got along so well, so famously, because we were focused with a mission. And when you're focused with a mission, then it's no longer about you. It's about the mission. Someone say amen. Come on now. To know what God's plan is for your life is to be focused on the mission that God has, the purpose that He has for you. Now, I shared Jeremiah 29, 11. I want to read the context. And so from Jeremiah 29, verse, well, actually uh, the New International Version, I'm going to begin at verse 10. It says this. Are you ready? This is what the Lord says. How many think that's always a good thing to hear in the Word of God? No one's going to leave today saying, this is what Pastor Gary says. Or anybody else by that matter. It is what the Lord has to say. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. Now we get to verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. How many of us have claimed that verse over our lives? And it goes on to say in verse 12, Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. Have you ever made the statement or thought the statement that God never hears my prayers or just doesn't seem like he's listening or that he cares? But you see, the Lord God, he has given a message to his people that yes, I do care. I care about your future. 
I care about where you're at, and I have a plan for you. It's not a plan to harm you. It's not a plan. Why would he say that? Well, let me just continue. So in verse 13, he says this. And folks, this is, a, this is something you can emulate. You can follow after. You can make this a part of your, of your way to communicate with the Lord and to worship the Lord. Are you ready? It says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. That's almost a tongue twister. Let me say it one more time. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with how much? All my heart. I'm going to digress for just a second. When we had all this wonderful new house, new garage, what have you, to be honest, although I still love the Lord, I wasn't seeking the Lord as much because I was seeking after new things. Now, some of you may feel, oh, no, I need to get rid of my house. Oh, no, I shouldn't be building a garage. No, no, no. I'm talking about my, my plan given to me by the Lord and how you can derail that plan. Do you hear that? You can derail that plan. It can come off the tracks. Now it says, in verse 14, I will be found by you. I guess that means they lost God. Have you ever lost God? How do you lose God? He's bigger than anything. Can you imagine if that got into the newspapers, if that was the headline? God is lost. Where did he go? But you see, that may have been a headline in the Jerusalem paper at that time. They had lost God. We're going to get to that in a second. It says here, I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have been banished you where I have banished you declares the Lord and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile so let me explain and and just unpack that real quick just to get a better idea of what's taking place I'll, I'll do this real quickly we're talking about Judah in the Bible in the Old Testament you'll learn that Israel became, came into a civil war and they split apart. And it became north and south. It became Israel, actually the name, and it became Judah. Now you still had Israelites in Judah because they're all Israelites, but the point is there was a division. And so both nations would get into idolatry. Both, both north and south would begin to follow false gods. And because of that, God would eventually punish them. He would eventually banish them into the arms of a conqueror. 
In this case, we read the word Babylon. We read, in that case, we're talking about King Nebuchadnezzar. At that point, which we know today as Iraq. And in Iraq, you find Babylon. You find Nineveh. You, you find the places of old. I remember uh, when my son Neil was in Iraq. He said, Dad, this is unbelievable. Uh, what does it say in the Bible about this? What does it say in the Bible about that? Because now he's walking, he's walking on prior civilizations because everywhere he was walking and the military was, was in, you could see artifacts, many, many broken pieces in the sand and what have you, and the location of where they were at took on new prominence to him because he realized this was an historic place. Well, Judah turned their backs on God, began to worship false gods, multiple gods. Eventually, he sent to them a prophet, a prophet by the name of Jeremiah. Jeremiah knew what he was supposed to do in life. He's supposed to be a prophet. A prophet basically is this, a spokesperson for God. That's really what it's all about, a spokesperson for God. And Jeremiah, for over 40 years, was a prophet of God, a spokesperson for God to the country or to southern Israel, or we know it better as Judah. And what took place is a prophecy was fulfilled. How many knows God is never taken by surprise? He always knows what's going to happen in life. He knew that one day that there would come a force from the north that would conquer them. And they would stay conquered for 70 years. And that is what is being referred to here in this context of Scripture. So now they are closer to being 70 years in captivity. And God is giving them a promise. While you have been there in captivity, my thoughts were still upon you. You see, if you read Jeremiah 29, 11 in the King James Version, New King James Version, it talks about the thoughts of the Lord being upon you. It's been translated in the NIV and many other versions as the plan that's for you. So it works out as a plan, but it also works out upon uh, using the, the verbiage, the plans of the Lord, the thoughts of the Lord upon you. I really believe the thoughts of my God are upon you right now. Brother Steve was talking about history, of how God has had history for all of us together working with VBS, working with kids' ministries, uh, things you didn't expect to do that you end up doing. It was no surprise to God. What you're doing is not a surprise to the Lord. He knows what it is that you're doing. You may not be walking in His plan because you haven't taken the proper steps to seek Him out with all of your heart to find out what that plan is. You may have a plan that is overwhelming the plan that God has. 
the plan of God may seem too hard for you. And yet the scripture says, there is nothing too hard for my God to do. If he gives you a plan, someone hear this today, he will make it work. I love hearing about, you know, not everybody goes into ministry. Not everyone goes into uh, becoming a pastor. Not everyone becomes a missionary. Not everyone becomes an apostle. Not everyone uh, becomes a teacher. But yet we have all of, all of those, especially uh, we call them the five-fold ministry gifts. I love hearing Cody talk about the fact that God has a plan for his life and he knows what it is. It's to become a missionary. I've heard him talk about it many, many times. I heard him share about it in Trinidad. He's outspoken about it because he hears God's plan for his life and he's taking steps towards that plan to fulfill God's purpose for his life. It's so incredibly important to hear what God says to you, but you have to be passionate in your application of hearing. That means getting down on, a, on your knees possibly, laying before the Lord. I have seen great, great, great men and women of God who have totally prostrated themselves on the floor. I saw a man at the service last week we were in Chicago attending the Open Bible Convention. It's a biennial, so it happens every two years, and it's in different places. This year it happened to be in Chicago. The first night was such a moving, moving experience, and there was altar time, and there were people at the altar, and Angie and I were down at the altar. We were praying and, and pouring out our hearts but if I thought I was pouring out my heart, I looked down, and here was this gentleman about 10 feet away. He was kneeling. He was a big guy, probably early 60s. And he was weeping. He was crying before the Lord. A little gross but the snot was just running out of his nose. While that's gross, you know what that means? That means you are totally overcome and totally overwhelmed. Have you ever cried before the Lord? Have you ever just poured out before the Lord? And I looked at him and I thought, man, I actually desire that. Not the snot, but... I desire that. Now, for those of you who went to Trinidad, you'll never guess who that gentleman was. His last name is Lombard, but it's not Mike. It's his older brother. I didn't know that at the time, but then we ended up ministering to each other, and I saw Lombard on his tag the missionaries we had just been with for one week in Trinidad. He pastors a church. It's in a super difficult area. 
hard, hard area of Des Moines. The challenges are many. But it's exactly where he's supposed to be. He knows that. He's made moves in life. And at his age, he made a move to be there just in the last couple of years. It's like most people would say, you're kidding. Normally, in ministry moves, family members are the ones saying, what the heck are you doing? Normally, it's the family members saying, I remember to us, when we announced to our family, we're moving from Iowa to California. In other words, we're moving to a different country. We're moving to Los Angeles area. And by the way, we met up with an Hispanic pastor who pastored in the same church where we were associate pastors for a while at Rosemead, California. And uh, it was such a joy to be around him and see what God has done. And I shared some of the things that had happened when our family was there. And we rejoiced together. It all happened because we were following after the ways of the Lord God. And we were hearing his plan and following his plan. Again, haven't always done that. There was a time in my life where we went to California to, to be at that very church. And we got there. I just didn't feel that we were supposed to be there. That was a correct feeling. We call it discerning. You want to know what one of the most important gifts of, of 1 Corinthians 12 is? There's all kinds of them. Nine, actually, that are recorded there. But the most important gift of those for me, discerning. Discerning. To know what is of God, to know what is of the enemy, to know what is may just be of yourself. I knew we weren't supposed to be there. We headed back. But then I made the statement. The statement is, we'll never go back to California except for a visit. And once you know about eight years later, that's exactly where God... Have you ever had God just humble you? I mean, you made some stupid statement, you know, I'll never do that. And, that, and God says, oh, you just wait. You see, the Holy Spirit can do something. In fact, we, I was, talked about this in prayer today. The Holy Spirit can do something in your life that no one else can do. He can give you revelation. I have tried to give all my kids revelation. Some of it they received, some of it they did not. There's many other people. I've tried giving them revelation. May I just change that to wisdom? I've tried giving them wisdom and counsel. And sometimes, and most of the time, it was good wisdom and good counsel. But they we're not in the position to receive it or act upon it for whatever reason. But if the Holy Spirit even whispers it into your spirit, oh, hear me now, if He even whispers His Word into your spirit, into your heart, He will totally mess you up. He will totally remove your sleep. You will find yourself and a, and a quandary, and a mess. And it won't be because someone's trying to talk you into something. It's the Holy Spirit. God is speaking inside of you. He's giving you revelation. 
while my revelation may not always work, his revelation can make you miserable. And eventually you'll say, I surrender all. I give up. I give up. And then when you start doing what God wants you to do, you're such a much happier camper. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can I have all the happy campers just say amen? amen. Hallelujah. So Jeremiah knew what God wanted him to do. Be the spokesperson for him to all of Judah to tell them, everybody, this is what's going to happen. From the north is going to come a kingdom of Babylon, and they are going to come and conquer you and haul you off back to their country. The high priest was so mad at him, so upset with him, he had him whipped, he had him flogged, he had him lowered down into a huge cistern that had mud on the bottom just to be, we'll see you later. For him to die down there, all the other prophets, they prophesied the best. Only good things are going to happen to Judah, even though they're living on godly lives. And then you had this one voice out there, this one aggravating man by the name of Jeremiah. And he was so compelled that he actually was referred to and still is this day as the weeping prophet because he would weep over the nation of Judah because he saw where they were going and what was going to take place. He was even the writer of a book of the Bible called Lamentations. The root word of Lamentations is to lament. Whether you know it or not, you may not use that word often, but you lament over certain things. You have despair and you speak it out over certain things. I'm going to bet right now in this political season you have lamented over the political system and what's happening right now in the United States. You lament, I guess we're going to have a 10 cent increase in gas starting Monday in the state of Ohio. How many have Lamented. If so, you could maybe write a lamentation. And that's what Jeremiah did. I think it's five chapters of lamentations. It's all about what is taking place in just these several verses that I've read to you about what was happening, about the invasion that would take place, about the idolatry. And so he became a weeping prophet. And then he decides, I've had it. All I'm taking is abuse. All I'm taking are threats from people. If I don't quit speaking about what's going to happen. So he said, I am not going to talk anymore. I'm not going to share anymore from the Word of God. In fact, listen to this. Jeremiah 20, verse 9. But if I say, 
I will not mention his word or speak any more in his name. His word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. Someone, I hope you're amazed at what was going on in him. Especially if you felt like you have just never had or not having your witness received from people. If it's alive inside of you, if it's a fire in your belly, if it's a fire in your bones, you'll find out that you cannot shut up. But indeed, you will share. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So the context about Jeremiah 29, 11. Verse in front, three verses afterwards. It's about a nation. But God is saying, even though this is happening to you, you're in Babylon, suffering like you are. Even so, my thoughts are upon you. I have a plan for you. It's a plan for your future. It's a plan to give you hope, to prosper you, not to take from you. God knows you and me when we are in our Babylon. There are times when we have Jeremiah 29, 11 coming out of our mouth, but we're still in the midst of some huge trial that we need to walk through. I don't even like saying that. We're prosperity gospel, we would just say we never have any issues. But that's kind of a false gospel. Because we do have tribulation. How many has found out that tribulation is a part of, a walk, of the walk of, of being a believer? From time to time, we have tribulation. It may, be, it may be spiritually, it may be medically, it may be all kinds of things. It could be a divorce, it could be this, it could be that. So many things take place. There are tribulation times in our lives. But our God still thinks upon you with good thoughts. And He does have an ultimate plan for you. All you have to do is get down into the nitty-gritty and you just start loving on Him. You just start loving out of your heart, out of your mind, out of your spirit. And you'll begin to hear the call of God. So Jeremiah, he had a, uh, he had a message. But Jeremiah 29, 11 is conditional. If you forget everything else, remember what I just said. I believe with all my heart, Jeremiah 29, 11, and I love it. But I know what's conditional. It has a lot to do, almost all to do, with my relationship with Him. How many would say that's good teaching? That's good application to understanding. That's good hermeneutics. Looking into the Word and getting into it. So now I want to talk about God's plan for your life. 
God's plan for your life. Hallelujah. This present day that we live in. And it all has to do about hearing the call. I want to direct your attention to a verse in the Bible from the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 43. Or, yeah, and it says this. Real simple. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me, Philip. And Philip decided to follow Jesus, as did Peter, as did Andrew, and all these other disciples, Bartholomew. Here's the cool thing. In the days of old, in the first century, and, and actually for years, bef centuries before, and even some centuries afterwards, individuals would seek out a rabbi and follow after them or him. They would find a rabbi that just was so filled with wisdom, they related to, and they would follow him and walk after him. A study years ago talked about walking in the dust of a rabbi. Because as the rabbi would be in the lead, walking in Israel and in the Middle East, it's dusty, dirty. How many times have you heard about having your feet washed? Well, there's a reason for that. It's called dirty feet. And the feet become dirty because of all the, the dust the rocks that are there. And when a rabbi was walking and leading, his dust was kicking up behind him, and individuals who wanted to follow after him would stay close behind with the dust hitting them. But they were willing to do that because they valued the mentoring of that rabbi. That was the way things were done. If you talked about what, how's that applied to this day. Almost everyone who goes to a church, they look at the church and they go to that church because of certain things that they like. Maybe they, they like the worship style. Maybe they like the teaching. Maybe they like the children's ministries. And for those reasons, they will decide that's the church I want to go to. But you see, Jesus did something different. Have you noticed Jesus often did things different? Have you ever heard him say in the Word of God, but I say unto you. When someone has the ability to say, but I say unto you, that means they have authority to say that. When people thought, well, this is what it says in the Word of God, just, but I say unto you. Hallelujah. So Jesus did a flip. He didn't necessarily look for people to come and find him and check him out. He just called people. Just like we read about Philip. Follow me. Says to Peter, follow me. I will make you fishers of men. Woo! Tell your face you're excited about that, would you? How many has gotten called by the Lord Jesus Christ, called out of something 
called out of somewhere and you got out of that old stuff and you got into new stuff that was righteous. I won't talk about some of our unsavory pasts because we all have them. But isn't it refreshing when you get out of that unsavory past and you begin to follow after the rabbi, the teacher, the son of God, who is God, hallelujah. And you see a change come over your life as you get out of the old and you put on the new. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. What a good deal. Is that one of like the best deals in the, in the Word of God that you can come across? Where else can you find that in life? That you, you get the, a whole new change. And that's what he gives to us. And that's what he gives to us. Real quickly. So Jesus, Jesus calls unto you and I. I didn't become, become a Christian because I was really seeking him, but because I heard a call to him. The Holy Spirit was drawing me. That's what it says in the Word of God. The Holy Spirit draws us. And I came to Christ as a young boy because I felt the call of God, not to become a pastor, but to become a follower to become a believer. Jesus is calling. I can't remember, but Joe, I'm sure you could help remind me. Trinidad, they have that saying for, what is it, Kamna? Kamna. What does Kamna mean? You see, Trinidadians have all these weird sayings. It's a distortion of syllables is what it is. I think sometimes it's an explosion of syllables. And what happens is, come now, just means, come now, come quickly. Come on, let's go. So they'll just say, come now. They'll just take a little abbreviation. They like abbreviation of words. Well, come now. Come to Jesus. Come now. That preaches, doesn't it? Come now. Why wait? So the Lord is calling us. Jesus is calling us. And so why the reason so many of you are here today, because you accepted that from the Lord Jesus. He said, come now, and you said, okay. Uh. And you haven't been right since. You've been better. Hallelujah. So it's a, it's a purposeful call. And it's a call that comes because of the fact that God loves you so much. He loves me so much. That he says, come, follow me. Come, follow me. And when you come follow him, you begin to discover the call of God that is upon your life. Listen to this. Uh, I want to share about, about purpose. And uh, most of you, I would say, probably has heard about a book that was super popular some years ago called The Purpose Driven Life. It became a selling sensation, actually. Number one uh, on the New York Times selling, uh, uh, chart for I don't know how many years. The Purpose Driven Life. I like that book. And I memorized 
I memorized the first sentence of chapter number one. I memorized it. It's not about you, period. That's a way to start a book. It's not about you. In fact, it goes on to say this. The purpose of your life, and folks, we have to have purpose, don't we? Having a call of God upon our life, doing what God wants, to, wants us to do, having God's plan working our life requires that we not only put it into place, but that it becomes our purpose. So it says this, the purpose of your life is far greater than your own personal fulfillment. Would you agree with that? Your peace of mind or even your happiness is far greater than your family, your career, or even your wildest dreams and ambitions. If you want to know why you were placed on this planet, you must begin with God. You were born by His purpose and for His purpose. The search for the purpose of life has puzzled people for thousands of years. That's because we typically begin at the wrong, get this, at the wrong starting place or starting point, the starting point being ourselves. We ask self-centered questions like, what do I want to be? How many has ever sat down with a counselor, you sat down with someone to figure out what it is you're going to do in life? And they're to give you advice that, honestly, they are not qualified to give to you because only God knows the true plan for your life. And so we substitute sometimes God's plan for a plan that sounds good to us. Well, I'm fairly good at doing this, so this is going to be what I do for the rest of my life. There's all kinds of things we make decisions about the purpose of our life and what we do. But God's got a plan that far supersedes, but we need the purpose. It goes on to say, what are my goals, my ambitions, my dreams for my future? But focusing on ourselves will never reveal our life's purpose. The Bible says in Job, actually 12, verse 10, which is, read this from the GNT, that's the Good News Translation. It says, it is God who directs the lives of his creatures. Everyone's life is in his power. I want to make that a very personal thing real quick. Listen to this by making it personal. It is God who directs Charles Lytle. His life is in his power. It is God who directs Ted Weaver, his creature. His life is in his power. Looking all around today, I could substitute your name and it would be applicable because you're his creature. And his power is allowing you to be who you are. It is God who directs the lives of his creatures. Everyone's life is in his power. I'm just going to close with this. You're thinking, well, so what do I do? If you're looking to find out 
what is Jeremiah 29 11? What is his plan for your life? Well, you've already read the word before and after. You know what it was applied for originally, but yet, because we are grafted in with the children of Israel, our God still has a plan for our life. It's still to give us direction. But you know what? You got to dedicate your life. You got to dedicate your life. You got to hear him, weep before him. First thing you need to do, fall in love with the name of Jesus. Something really moved me. Uh, this is last week. A television show personality died at 51. You ever watched Dog the, the Bounty Hunter? How many of you have and you just don't want to admit it? Okay. Nothing wrong with that. It's an entertaining show. I haven't watched it for quite, quite some time, but it was an entertaining show. And one of the stars of the show, Beth, died of cancer at 51 years of age. Now, the show was weird because it's a rough, rugged guy. His name is Dwayne, but they call him Dog. And he chases down people who have a ran off on their bail bond. And he'll search and search till he finds them and, and he arrests them and brings them in. He gets paid for doing that. But when he would converse with them, he's this rugged individual, sometimes not the best language or probably the best lifestyle, but he'd get all Christian on them and would tell them how they need God in their life and it was very convincing. And I actually think he loves the Lord as did his wife. So let me just read you what the, what the article just a couple days ago had to say. It says, Our, hours after Beth Chapman died, her husband Dwayne, dog Champ, Chapman, said she spent her final hours on earth worrying about her family. Chapman tearfully spoke to, or dogs, tearfully spoke to the local reporters about the love of his life who lost her battle with cancer and said that when she had an attack, I didn't know anything to do but to say, in Jesus' name, and hold her. And he said this, and when I said, in Jesus' name, she said, say it again. Say it more. Say it again. Say it more. You see, the comfort that comes from our relationship with Jesus. When you're struggling and he intervenes, which he is able to do. He loves you that much. You start with the name of Jesus. Wow. One of the greatest songs ever wrote, I believe, is Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. I've received his comfort. Many of you have. Because his name can change 
your circumstances. And his name will help you get through the most difficult of times. Hallelujah. And his name is also a joy. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. My message again is God's plan versus my plan. If you've been stuck with your own plan and you're thinking, I'd actually like to surrender my plan for God's plan. I'd like just to offer to you an atmosphere to do that in. And that atmosphere is in the house of God. I'm going to ask that you stand and Linda, if we could play the song, uh, the last song we did, You Are My Desire. This morning, if you're in need of turning in your plan for God's plan, I think you would agree with me. His plan is always better than what you can do for yourself. Sometimes you're not even aware that you need to have a plan. Well, I just destroyed that whole concept for you today. Because now you know you need to have a plan. You think, well, you just messed up my life. I was happy with what I was doing. Well, my purpose is not to take your joy, but to make sure you're walking in his plan. Because then not only will you be blessed, but everyone else will be blessed around you. Hallelujah. That is what we call the body working together. Hallelujah. If today you're here, you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'm going to ask, while the song is being played, that you just come and find a place at the altar. Someone will come and pray with you. If you're backslidden, that means you're not where you're at, need to be at with Jesus. In fact, you have a fear that if he was to come right now, you would really not be in a position to go with him, to be with him. If you were to die, if that's the case, find a place at the altar. Someone will come and pray with you. If you're here looking for a new plan, his plan, God's plan, no one's going to tell you what that plan is that will pray with you. They may have a word for you, but you are asked to hear Jesus when he says, come, follow me. And then the plan begins to take shape. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to pray as I'm praying. Those who need to leave, Lord bless you. Don't forget about the meeting with the camp stuff. But if you want to stay for one of those things I just mentioned, I want you to come. I want you to come. We're going to sing this together. I love this song. Hallelujah. Don't be bashful. Just come. This is my desire. This is my desire to honor you. 
with all my heart I worship you Come on, come right now, is that you? All I have within me All I have within me I give you praise and all that I adore is in you Lord I give you my heart here we go Lord I give you my heart I give you my soul I live for you alone every breath that I take every moment I'm away Lord have your way in me Father God I thank you Lord that we have come here together today to hear your word to celebrate who you are to say Lord I believe I believe I believe that you're able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that I could ever ask or think according to the spirit that works inside of me Lord I pray Father that as those who are here today who are hearing you Holy Spirit I pray that they would begin to yield their hearts hallelujah and to say here I am Lord I surrender to you Share with me your plan. Share with me, oh God, my purpose in the name of Jesus. And everyone said amen. I'm going to ask some of our elders and, and those uh, and James and Ted, if you would.